Welcome to Tall Hungry Girl Talks. Today we are talking about all things green, not the kind that you may be thinking, <laughs> although we could talk about that if you guys want, um, but we are talking about earth-based living, uh, blending nature in, your, in urban settings. Um, this was a particular topic of interest to me because I am from Tillamook, Oregon, uh, land of cheese, trees, and ocean breeze. <laughs> that is literally <laughs> the tagline for my, my town of 4,000 people. And um, I grew up near a temperate rainforest. So I spent so much time, even though you know it was raining most of the time, outside. Um, and so I really had a connection with nature. My brother is a forester. And I really didn't think anything about it, how lucky I was to live in such an, an environment. And moving to D.C., it's great because it's green, but you're in a city. And so um, I wanted to talk to Rachel Harmston. Um, she is an earth-based life coach who works with individuals and businesses to bring green living to your life and living space wherever you're at. Um, this was particularly interesting to me because I want to incorporate more green into my life because I miss home every single day. Um, so a little bit more about Rachel, novice or seasoned vet, Rachel works with her clients to cultivate individual growth plans that bring the benefit of living in sync with nature into your everyday life. Whether that be a diet change, a garden installation, eco-friendly household replacements, or finding fitness, the liveliness, yes, longevity, and peace that comes with living closer to nature will surely have you getting more out of your entire routine. And this is definitely true for me, and I'm sure that this is true for you, Rachel, if this is you know something that you started doing. So can you tell me more about what you do and why you decided to create Living Growth, which is the company that you started, right? Yes, yes, of course. Thank you for the introduction. Yes. Um, quite <laughs> lovely, actually. Um, yes, I started Living Growth here in Washington, D.C. less than a year ago, so so it's a little baby company right now. And I started it basically when I moved here from Minnesota, also from a small town, yes. right along the Canadian border. Um, I immediately came out here and was working at an environmental nonprofit. And it was a beautiful thing, so beautiful. But the sad part of it was it's, it was just so small. And I was obviously passionate about it, and I couldn't understand why the heck is no one else interested in getting trees throughout this urban place, right? And like you said, D.C.'s green for a city. Yes. But just where I'm from, it's just all nature. There are more trees than there are humans. Yes. You, know? <laughs> you, drive, you drive 100 miles without seeing a stoplight. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of nice. It's kind of beautiful, nice. yeah. right? And you don't quite realize the difference, you know, if you grow up in a rural place or an urban place, you don't know what you're missing on either side. So when I got out here and I was working at that nonprofit, I realized the lack thereof for green space. And I was actually working with children. So that also has pulled on my heartstrings and the passion behind seeing the kids going out to the parks and getting into, you know, trees and nature. They love it, right? Some of them are a little scared at first because they haven't been in like Rock Creek Park, which is, you know, DC's one of DC's biggest parks. And it's beautiful and it's forest. So it started with the kids and started at a nonprofit. And then I kind of merged into um, the school system. So bringing gardens into the schools. And for me, it's just second nature. But um, living growth kind of just stemmed from my lifestyle, my personal lifestyle, which 
um, is very green in general. That's just the way I've come to be. So my diet, my health, my lifestyle, everything around the board, and then tying it into the public, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody needs this. I felt like it's just a desperate cry in an urban setting, especially a fast-paced urban setting like D.C. Yeah, and I think the type A nature of people, people need nature, (laughs) the green kind (laughs) in this city. Um, So why do you, I mean, I know why it's important for me because I feel like it offers a balance. I'm I'm a naturally anxious person and I feel like when I go home, I'm from a town that's on, you know, it's on the coast. And so I would travel in between Portland and Tillamook and we'd go through a mountain pass and it follows the path of a river and you could smell the like the smell of green and like fresh yes (laughs) and it would it's like if there was a scent that I could capture in my life that would be it because it brings me so much peace so I know why it's important to me but why do you think it's important for people in general and adults to maintain a connection with nature and plants absolutely yeah that's that's a great question um truly I believe it like restores balance so if anything is off if you're just not feeling right, like you said, anxiety or stress or whatever, um, I think that nature is like the balance to all that. You know, humans have removed ourselves from nature in these urban settings. And for, you know, there are other benefits to being in an urban setting, but balancing yourself is the crucial point. So overall health, wellness is like crucial to have nature in one shape or form. Um, And I think that not just being in nature, but truly like chewing on nature, like having it in your diet, having it a part of your everyday um, just environment uh, is huge. It just brings that balance back to your overall well-being. Um, I can say honestly, when I switched to being just a vegetarian, that was a personal lifestyle change years ago, my whole body shifted, my whole life shifted. I felt you know, everyone goes, you go through a phase, like emerging phase, right? You're kind of angry. Yeah. <laughs> You're kind of like, what's happening like, here? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, it just, it took a minute. But once you establish that balance again, it's a mental clarity. It's a, a physical strength. You know, there's all these things that truly just come to you. And it seems, you know, s- silly to think that a walk through the park could do that. Yes. But well, truly, when people are stressed, like you hear your boss say, Oh, go out and get some fresh air. Well, that's not for nothing, right? Like there is something to be said about that. And I think oftentimes when people like have mental breakdowns, I mean, not to make light of it, it's like they'll go into like the forest or some place to like get away from everything to rebalance. I think that nature is like a rebalancing thing. Um, So, you know, because we live in DC and I think that like most people, you know, aren't, you know, detached, but I think or are detached rather. And I think that that may be the case, even if you do live in a place that's more green. Like I, I used to live in an apartment building where it was like, I went from building underground parking to underground parking. So I could not be outside all day. So, you know, it was kind of because of that. And also I had a greenhouse growing up. And so I'm just, you know, used to like going outside and grabbing an aloe piece and, you know, whatever. Right. That'll Um, make you, that'll just make you, if you're going from that, you know, from having the green to underground garage to underground garage, that's a big switch. You don't don't notice it because you're still living your life every day, but you don't notice. Um, Something I think is kind of funny to note, a lot of us, we go on vacation, right? You go to a place, you think of a vacation as a, like a tropical getaway or a, you know, there's usually nature somewhere incorporated in a vacation, 
you know, I don't care if it's a beach or if it's a, you know, a park or if it's a canyon or where, wherever you're going, there's usually some sort of like balance coming back in from that vacation that you're missing. So you come back with this peacefulness, right? This rest and relaxation. And obviously you're doing a different routine every day, but also your environment is different. So a lot of times our vacations are going to a natural place. So Mm -hmm. it says a lot about where you're going. So I was reading, you know, when I was doing research for this interview that, um, like I love to keep flowers and plants in my house because it brings me, you know, peace and happiness. And I just love green as a color, but I understand that there's scientific backing to support this. Can you talk about how integrating, you know, earth based practices into your daily routine can reduce and eliminate the severity of symptoms from anxiety, diabetes, depression, discontent, stress, like, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a study out and I, I go back to, it, I refer to it all the time and NASA actually completed it years ago. It was like, I, I don't know the exact year, mid 20th century. Um, and they were trying to figure out how to get astronauts into space and how to do that and keep their air ventilated in this small metal capsule of a rocket while they're, you know, up there for months or weeks, you know, however long they're doing their test periods. And they experimented with plants um, to see, obviously they couldn't have a, you know, a fortress of plants in the ship, but um, they started doing studies on how that air can be cleaned just by, you know, a plant being there, how the well-being of someone who's isolated, if it's just one or two people, you're not getting a lot of social interaction, how the well-being of the people increases with the green space there. So that was one of like the big major studies, one of the first major studies um, and basically they couldn't fill the rock ship with enough plants to properly recycle the air because there's, you know, a per capita that you have to reach to have, you know, there's, there's enough plants wouldn't fit in that rocket ship to clean the air for the entirety of the trip. But just that, like the feeling of the astronauts while doing their testing, while having green space was like night and day, you know, whether it's surveys or stress tests afterwards, they were able to, you know, to measure the effectiveness of plants on the astronauts. So that's just, you can totally look it up. There's some cool facts about it. So that's where it started. Now there's obviously since then plenty of other things, but um, if you go more into the dietary area, including vegetables in your diet can like truly just increase your blood flow. So you're like flowing at a higher rate per day. Your your body's warmer and readier to go. Um, it's, It's more or less, I think, an all around thing. Um, I first pers- go because having you know have I read that having house plants like you were talking about can help remove chemicals from the air, including chemicals from harsh cleaning products. So can you can you talk more about that? Because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like as soon as I read that, I was like, I want to go out and buy more plants because if you think about it, you know we have our windows closed all day, and maybe you're using Clorox bleach or you know mm-hmm. these. I try I, I try not to use any of those products. I try to use like essential oils or like natural you know Absolutely. stuff. But yeah, can you talk more about how like plants can filter your air? Yeah, there's actually some chemicals that come from larger things in the house that can make people really sick. And like you said, bleach would be a very small example of these things, but the installation of like flooring and cabinets and things, there's like large amounts of toxins released that you don't even think about oh. if you're remodeling or if you're I've you know, adding something in your house. That. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff um, out there that can make people really sick. And there's even, there's even like diagnosed, there are people diagnosed all over the world with sick building syndrome. So sick 
building syndrome. Think of that, that you're sick from the building you live in. And that's just like a subcategory of a larger category of building illnesses. So that in itself is huge in urban populations, specifically considering how we live, right? And that affects both mental and like physical well-being. So that could trigger your asthma, your allergies. Yeah. That could also trigger your depression, your anxiety. If you go home to a space or you work in a space that doesn't bring you life or liveliness. Um, so there are truly things in that sense. Now, the actual having a plant in the room does clean the air. But like I said, you know, it's, you're going to need a lot of plants to clean a lot of things all the time. There are plants... Uh, larger plants do more. So like a tree versus, you know, a small flower yeah. is going to clean more air. Yeah. Right? That, so that brings me to the question that I wanted to ask you next was like, I, I know some of my friends, they're like, oh, I can't keep a plant alive. But what are, what are plants that are maybe easier to keep alive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also, you know, that are maybe better at, at filtering the air that, you know, you that can easily survive in, in someone's apartment in Pentagon City or something. Yes, yes. I run into that one all the time. Like, a lot of my friends are like, I just can't keep anything alive. I'm like, yes, you can. Everybody honestly can keep something alive. So, and that's, you know, that's part of what I do with Living Growth. I help to teach people the very basics of, you know, top 10 plants to put in your house, to add to your ambiance, and that you can literally just neglect and they'll stay alive for you. Um, I recommend things like succulents because succulents are cacti or succulents, so they don't need a lot of water. So if yeah. you forget about them for a while, they're okay and they're beautiful. So that one doesn't particularly filter a lot of air. Larger leafy plants, um, a big one that is easy to keep alive is a corn plant. It looks like it's like a little palm. They can oh, grow. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. You've probably seen them. Yeah. Um, they can be relatively small, like waist high, and then they can get huge, like taller than you. So. What are the ones that grow really quickly that have like the the leaves, like? Palms? You think the palms? Not palms. I don't know, but they like, I have, I have a bunch in my house. Okay. (laughs) I water them every Sunday. (laughs) I have a watering schedule for my plants. That's perfect. You should have one. And I've kept my orchid alive for three blooming cycles. So that is like a miracle. That is impressive, actually. I can't remember what they're called, but it's like one of the plants that you, it doesn't necessarily require a bunch of light. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I'll have to remember it later. Yeah. (laughs) There's other good ones like snake plants are pretty easy. Um, that's a pretty common one. A peace lily is relatively easy and they can get big and they'll also have a little bloom. So it'll be like a green leafy plant and then it'll have a white bloom every so often. And those help filter the air as well? Yes. So every plant will help filter the air because they filter the air the same way we breathe oxygen, a plant breathes uh, carbon dioxide. Okay. So it's like we recycle their air and they recycle ours. With we couldn't exist. Um, plants and animals could not exist without each other because we breathe their air, they breathe ours, and they do that all through um, photosynthesis. So it's a pretty simple su- cycle. Um, they need to take in plants need to take in water, um, sunlight, and carbon dioxide, and then that produces their sugar. So they grow. So they turn sunlight and water and our air, our used air, into food for them, and that's how they grow. So it's a really cool cycle. It's really easy to break down. That was one of my favorite things to teach to the children in camps and things. So, um, but yeah, all plants need that. So all plants are good for that in some capacity. And then, um, something you probably don't know, which is fun to note, trees are, are the same way. So there are certain trees that will do more than others in the recycling and the toxin removal and cities like Washington, D.C. or large, larger cities, they plant a lot of trees like um, a London plane tree. And London plane trees are good at removing toxins. So 
if you walk if you're walking down the street and you see a tree that's like shedding its bark in patches, it almost looks like camouflage patchy bark. That's because the bark comes off and it re- it's yes. like removing toxins and there's there's fresh bark because oh. the pores will get clogged and it's just removing it's like shedding its skin. So wow. it can like yes. further I've always wondered that. Yeah, there are there's some really cool plants that have special like toxin removal and that's why they plant them in high toxin areas. Oh. So DC has a lot of London plane trees. Yes. So when you're smelling like when I was talking about the smell going home and stuff like that, like driving through the forest, I mean there's a reason why it smells clean because it is, right? Yeah. The okay. air is clean from yeah. um So, you know, like I grew up in having a greenhouse, which was like super easy, as I mentioned, to to grow plants and stuff like that. But I, you know, I would go outside and, you know, I said, you know, break off a piece of aloe, whatever. Mm -hmm. Are there plants that have medicinal purposes that you can easily grow inside or on a balcony? And then also herbs. We need to talk about growing herbs (laughs) because I cannot, herbs are plants I cannot keep alive they have a shorter life cycle so okay. that's why um, they need to pollinate to continue growing oh. so having them inside keeps the pollinates away and that, i'll touch on that in a second okay. um, aloe is like the easiest most common house plant with medicinal purposes because you can it's an easy one to grow because you it's similar to a cactus you don't have to water it all the time um, and you can tell if the if the like leaves are not full it you know that with aloe if it's starting to look saggy and yeah. drying out water it that's it needs to be plumped up with water okay. so aloe is a great plant for everybody everybody can have an aloe plant you can just put it in your windowsill it doesn't require an insane amount of sun so if you're getting any sun which every window will you'll be fine um there are herbs and things that need larger amounts of sunlight um i personally have an entire herb garden in my windowsill so i have thyme basil parsley lavender mint the whole nine yards um and they're all just growing right next to each other i grow them very you know intermixed because helps with the soil but um you know your basil will die a little quicker but if you see you know if you reseed it um and I bring mine outside inside so summer and fall spring summer fall I have it outside and I bring it in for the winter months it does well um everything does well but if if you're having issues with growing herbs um each herb is pretty specific to what it needs they all need pretty well drained soil so you can't have it sitting in a puddle Okay. And, and, <laughs> and you should also consider getting a growing lamp. You could literally buy them for like 20 bucks and you could clip it onto your windowsill and turn it on at night. It just gives it a couple hours of extra, not oh. strong sunlight, but okay. light so it can grow. Because my, my um, where I have windows, it's, it has morning light. Mm-hmm. So for just like a couple hours. But I had this basil plant that I could not keep alive. And it, and like it would soak up the water. But then it seemed like the water would kill it, but it would like soak up the because you had to water it from the bottom. Is that correct with basil? You can water basil however you'd like to water basil. Okay. You definitely don't want it to be sitting in wet, like soaking soil. But basil does require more water than some other plants, so it will like continue to soak. How it up. often water? <laughs> um, there's not a single plant on the planet that I would water every day. Okay. There's not a single plant on the planet that I would water every other day. So (laughs) there we go. So every three days would maybe be the higher end of watering your plants. And that's a high demand water plant. There are plants that I do not water for a week and a half, two weeks more. I just pay attention to them. And I have a better eye for it, obviously. But if you, if the plant looks like it's unwell, like if it's turning a color or if it's, you know, (laughs) drooping, it is probably unwell. So it's usually sunlight, 
water, or soil. So those are only three factors you could possibly be messing up on to be killing a plant. And it could be that the plant needs drier soil. It could be that the plant needs significantly more sunlight. So you just have to like do your research on that specific plant. Okay. So because sometimes like if I'm like, oh, okay, I feel like it needs more soil because I feel like the soil magically disappears. I don't know where it's going. <laughs> they suck it but, up. They're oh, taking some of the nutrients out of it. Oh. And, yeah. <laughs> Plants wow. grow, soil, guys, guys, soil goes. <laughs> we're learning shit here. <laughs> Because I'm literally like, we'll be at home and I'm like, where the fuck is this soil yeah. going? I mean, it also like sinks in a little yeah. bit. You know, you, ha- you could pack it down pretty well, but it'll still sink in a bit. And obviously if it's in a pot, it can't sink in too far. But the plant truly does absorb the nutrients. So do you soil. put more soil on yeah. top of it? Yeah, add some oh. more soil on top of it. And then as you're watering it, the nutrients from that top layer of soil will then sink down to the roots and get so into the So how, oh my God. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> so how often should you add more soil to like your herb plants or what plants in general, I guess when you notice that it's starting to yeah. sink. Yeah. If you notice um, that it's starting to sink for sure, usually around wherever you're watering it. So if you water in one corner, that water, wherever it's sinking with the water, it'll tend to sink first. Or if you're watering it right at the base of the plant, that's where it'll go first. Just top it off as like as needed. Um, and always add new soil. Even if you had a plant for like five years and it seems to be well, eventually the soil is going to be depleted of whatever that plant needs the most okay. to grow. So every plant needs a different nutrient. You know, one of them might, might need a phosphate more, or one of them might need more nitrogen to be able to grow its best. Um, so yeah, it's, it's always good to add soil just for like nutrient, uh, for nutrition purposes for your plants too. Oh, that, like that is a game. I know that sounds no, so it is silly, though. but that's like going to be a game changer yeah. for me. Cause I notice like, so, you know, some plants that I've been, that I've had for years, I'm like, why isn't, I can't, you know, it's the health of it is changing, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing anything different, yeah. but I do notice like a change in Absolutely. the soil. Okay. Or they'll plateau. They'll just stop growing. Yes. And you'll just be like, what's happening? Well, it's stunted. It can't grow anymore because usually the issue there. Once a plant, you've had it for a while. If it's not a seasonal plant, it won't die. Say you have something that you've had for five years or it gets passed down from your grandma and you have this big old plant that hasn't been repotted. And then you take it out of its pot, you just give it a lift out and you can see the roots are just entangled. And it's just the only space the roots have had to grow is within that pot for the past five years. So if you ever take like a plant that has been repotted in a while, that will stunt its growth completely. You'll almost have an entire pot full of roots and no dirt in there. So then take it out, put it in a fresh um, pot of soil, crinkle up the roots a little bit so they can then grow out and you'll have a new plant that'll grow again. Okay. It'll continue growing. It might take a minute because you're, yeah, but it'll start growing more again. So I like some of my plants, like I have my orchid plant that I've had for like a year and a half, almost two years now, like I've noticed that it's getting bigger, like, but it's, you know, one of the small orchid plants that you get from like the grocery store for like a birthday present. Like, Oh, I I forgot to get a present. So I'm going to get this 1299 orchid. Beautiful. Yeah. It was was actually a birthday present from, you know, like a situation like Mm -hmm. that, a beautiful plant. And it's like in full bloom right now, but I noticed that it's getting bigger and like the roots are kind of like at the top now. Okay. So how, like I tried to kind of tug on it to see if I could replant it to put it in a different pot. Can you? Yeah. Um, every plant you can tug on to an extent without breaking the stem of it. Right. So something like an orchid would have like a more wimpy stem than something like 
a tree or something that has more of a hardy stem. So don't yank on it if you feel like you're breaking the stem. You kind of want to be able to grab around the base of the plant. So if you could like dig your fingers into the soil around the base of a plant and then pull up and try to get the entire plant out of the entire pot, it will come up. Just do a little wiggling or if the, if the pot is flexible, do a little squishing of the pot beforehand. Um, you can break the roots to an extent, but if you break like some of the main roots, then it'll probably kill the plant. Okay. So you can totally repot your orchid if you yeah. want. Again, it's going to be a little more, be a little more gentle. Yes. It's an orchid. They're fragile, right? <laughs> Don't go yanking it out of there. I call my, me. <laughs> yes. I call myself a delicate orchid because I'm, I'm beautiful, but you have to take care oh, of yeah. me. Be gentle. Yeah. <laughs> require a lot of things yes. yes yes I'm very needy that's okay but you put nice makeup on me and I'm cute things are good yeah yeah I totally understand but orchids are relatively hard so the fact that you've had yours alive for a while you're doing a good job yes I literally water it every Sunday and people say ice cubes but like f that like I don't do the ice cube thing I just run the sink for like two seconds yeah and I mean technically in nature where the orchids would be receiving their water they're not getting ice cubes yeah they're getting rain you know so but it is this it's water water is water <laughs> um okay so I am I eat like a shit ton of vegetables and I love vegetables like you and so but I also you know am increasingly becoming worried about what is you know the pesticides on vegetables and oh, stuff yeah. like that and so two-part question how do you grow what what are good vegetables for like a person like me that isn't necessarily like an expert but not a complete idiot when it comes to growing plants like, how do I do that? And then number two, what are some of the plant, the type of vegetables that maybe have less pesticides at the grocery store that you should try to go for? Or do you even? Yeah, I mean, okay, so the first part of that, it depends what you like. I say grow what you like because you're more invested in actually taking care of it. Um, English cucumbers, can you grow those at home? Oh, yeah. I love those. Um, If you have a balcony, if you have any outdoor space, you can literally grow anything. I don't care if it has dirt on the ground or not, but you could put large pots. Uh, This is part of also what I do with Living Growth. I've done garden installations at schools, at small businesses, at people's houses. Some of my favorites are personal balconies because people can truly invest in what they want. Um, But you pick out your top five favorite vegetables, I'll tell you yes or no, that's practical to have in that space. Um, If you want to grow like a carrot, you need something with deeper soil because it's a root vegetable. It grows underground, right? If you want to grow a tomato, um, you need something that you have space to allow a tomato plant, which gets taller. It could get in D.C. They get actually insanely large um, shoulder height, you know, and they'll get big and bushy. So um, depending on what your favorites are, it's easier to select that way. But all all literally all vegetables, as long as you live in. Like a DC climate is great for growing season because you can start growing in like March and it goes until November, basically. Minnesota was harder to grow. We had yeah. June, July, August, and that was it. <laughs> Best of luck. So like those are the warm months of 60 yeah. degrees. No. <laughs> but still in that, you know, in that environment, like you could still grow. We still had a full garden. I grew up on a farm. So there's, you can grow absolutely everything. It's just a shorter growing season. So, and everything, it has really, there's really good soil in places that are cooler because it doesn't, it's not depleted as quickly. So just so I understand. And so listeners understand. So if you're growing plants outside, the vegetables outside, you need to follow their growing season. Um, as long as it's warm out. And when I say warm, I mean, as long as it's above freezing out, most things will survive. Even greens can um, survive like I'm talking collard greens, kale, spinach, things like that can survive in colder weather, like 40 degrees. Um, it really doesn't matter. I, st- I would start growing as long as things are above freezing, you can start growing things. 
Um, but there's not really a strict growing season. Peas are one vegetable that they can't, they can't endure extreme heat. So peas will grow better in like the spring and the fall versus midsummer. Whereas you can grow some, you know, some things all the way through from spring, summer through fall. Um, tomatoes is a good example because they're, you know, you start out in the spring, it grows through the summer and you can harvest summer, fall all the way through. So is like March a good time to plant? Cause March then for busy, like, especially yeah. in DC. March is a good time for sure. Okay. Cause like it, usually we're out of like the snowmageddon mm-hmm. <laughs> possibilities. Yeah. And even if you don't have outdoor space, I still have in my house, I mean, in, I can't say everybody would be able to have their own garden um, right off the bat, but it's definitely something you could work towards. I've got peppers and, like I said, an herb garden um, right inside my house. I reseed everything. Um, I grow all year round inside. But What I does also, it mean to reseed? So basically, like if you were to ha- grow a garden and not harvest and let everything just die and turn to mush and, you know, leaves go away, the fruits and vegetables rot, they're going to reseed because the seeds within the tomatoes, the seeds within the cucumbers, the seeds within every single plant are going to then again grow in that location. So if you just left your plants, um, they would like compost themselves and regrow in that spot. So plants are so smart. So smart. So smart. But like, I'll take, um, plants are really taking care of us. (laughs) There's like a meme that says like, what if plants are really taking care of us because we decompose into the soil and we're really feeding them. Like we're, we're feeding them instead. You know what I mean? Basically what it is. Yeah. I think it's actually hilarious because, um, like you mentioned, the things that are, you know, there's pesticides in all the plants that we raise. So anything that's human produced, like large scale, like corn would be a great example. We have fields and fields of corn and each year um, we raise that corn and we grow it at a mass rate, same way we grow all of our food. So um, I guess to answer the second part of the question was um, what things should you avoid? And honestly, you should always try to get your vegetables in. The pesticide regulations nowadays are a lot more strict for the U.S., so we're pretty, I don't want to say, okay, it's still really gross, the fact that we spray everything with chemicals. Um, and we wonder why everyone's getting cancer. It's true. It's yeah. so true. If you watch the documentaries that are out nowadays on Netflix um, for eating meat and the, you know, and eating uh, pesticides and eating things, it's because we're adding so much to grow them at the rate to sustain the human population growth. It's really messed up. But... Um, Overall, anything you buy in a grocery market that's not labeled organic, and even then, organic is a loosely used term nowadays. So um, I source pretty much everything organic that I can, but obviously that comes with a pretty penny. Where do you shop at? Um, Because Whole Foods is like the go-to, but Whole Foods is it's kind of expensive. Whole Foods is expensive, and Whole Foods is definitely strategically placed um, in populations of wealth. So it's it's hard for everybody to access Whole Foods. So I try to give better examples than that. Um, like Mom's Organic? Mom's Organic is great. It's local. Yes, Organic is great and local for D.C. Those are awesome stores, but again, they're expensive because they're smaller. You what know, about so like Trader Joe's? Do they Trader have? Trader Joe's has a good selection. Um, farmer's markets. Honestly, I get my best deals love, from farmer's yeah. markets. Oh my, I, the peaches a, in the summertime, they're like... Just so juicy. And, and they're relatively inexpensive for what you're getting. Like, you could get a bushel of mushrooms for, like, five bucks, whereas if you go to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods, you get a small container for four. So yeah. you're, like, if you find, if you're consistently going um, all year round, you'll find good deals. Um, there's also a lot of local markets. Like, Union Market is um, relatively near where I live in D.C. here, and there's small vendors that 
um, take organics that are expiring or they're not pretty and presentable for whole foods. They'll take those things and they're still organic and fresh. And you'll get like the small old school markets that have the best produce, in my opinion. Yeah. Otherwise, grow it. <laughs> yeah. I know. And too, like, I mean, I, I eat meat. I try to not eat a ton, but I, I do like meat. Conscious, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but growing up, like, I know even now my brother would buy like a quarter of a cow mm-hmm. um, from like a local farmer. And so, you know, you you know how it's it's raised. And even growing up, like my best friend, they had like a rabbit farm. So we would eat rabbit. Well, <laughs> but we would know like the name of the cow and like we would know it was like, you know, really A to B kind of eating. And yeah. obviously not everyone is able to have access to this. But like farmers markets present these type of opportunities because it's like they're smaller scale and they're not like mass producing animals and pumping them full of hormones. And when I go home to this day, um, having been a vegetarian for years, I'll still go home and whatever they're cooking, I will eat because I know where it came from. I know it's ethically sourced. I know that it's raised, you know, not to be mass produced. So it's raised healthily in a pasture. Um, it's also, you know, it just comes down to ethics, too. I became a vegetarian not because I didn't like meat. I love meat. That's not the problem. It's ethically, I learned too much about what it's doing to our planet. Yeah. And if I, for you know, if I foresee myself having children or if I want to watch my sweet little niece grow up in peace, the, the truth behind it is we are damaging the one place where we live, planet Earth. Yeah. And that's why I do everything Earth-based that I can um, it makes, it makes so much sense. And it, you know, it's a balance between health and ethics and, you know, just overall consciousness, um, to coexist as a whole, like plants, animals, humans, yeah. all the things. Yep. Yeah. Um, I know I watched this documentary called Big Little Farm, which everyone needs to see that. It is such a great example of an ecosystem really working like in like, I guess, I don't know, just together and in harmony. Um, Yeah, it was it was really just like probably the most amazing documentary I've ever seen about just like nature working together. Yeah. And that's I mean, it is a great documentary because a lot of times we do monocropping the way I was touching on how we grow cornfields. It's a single crop. It's a monocrop. We mass produce things in one, you know, in one field and we're taking out whatever field that was, was probably an ecosystem for thousands of things, not just corn, right? So when you get to see like a documentary like that, it's just like, it's kind of like a slap in the face. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh no, we yeah. truly are and taken the, over. And the, like all the areas around them were affected by like wildfire and because they were in like kind of a more like dry, arid climate, but they weren't affected by the wildfire Strange. because, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, that works. <laughs> anyway, so I want to wrap up with just, you know, some suggestions for, you know, we touched on it before, but just suggestions for your home to just in general for your home to, to make it, um, I guess less toxic. So I, you know, whether that's like with the cleaning products or just adding more plants, what are some tips that you can provide listeners like tangible takeaways as like a, a closer for the podcast? Okay. So a couple tips, um, wherever you can get your vegetables, get your vegetables, your fruits. That's the easiest way to clean your body out. So if you're feeling unwell, incorporate more veggies and natural things into your diet. Um, everybody should have a houseplant. 
every single person. So if you don't have a house plant yet, get a house plant. It yeah. will significantly raise your well-being mentally in your space, and it will actually help your environment. So um, that would be another one. Um, definitely looking at what you're using on your body, in your home, and just trying to cut the chemicals um, anywhere from like face masks to natural deodorant. Yeah, even to, though it's hard to get used to, I'm trying, guys. It's, I mean, it's your body has to acclimate to it. Yeah. Truly, you've like your body has become used to the things that we put in the chemicals. So that's the only thing that's like stopping your you know perspiration right now. But if you switch back, it takes. There's emerging period. That's what um, my friend told me too. Yeah. I was like, I'm trying natural deodorant and I'm just sweating and yeah. I'm not a sweater. I can't She's like, oh, your body has to get used to it. I'm like, I hope it gets used to it soon. Very soon, yeah. Um, one of my girlfriends, she stopped using shampoo and it took her hair like two months because it was like greasy and wild and she hasn't used shampoo in like seven years and you would never know. She does not have greasy hair. She does not have dandruff. She does not have any, like her hair is gorgeous and strong. And, but we have become accustomed to stripping our hair. And then it, then we have chemicals, um, just kind of soaking in where our natural oils would be. It's, it's a giant mess. Um, but yeah, replacing things, making your own things. Um, that's another thing I do with living growth. I help people replace their cleaning products. So like your kitchen cleaner, you know, you can do that with essential oils. You can do that with lemon. lemon you can make your own. Yeah. I make my own weekly like face masks, um, natural laundry detergent, um, just different things that you can do to start replacing. And they smell good because chemicals give me headaches. And mm -hmm. so I always know like, you know, something that smells. smells. It's huge, yeah. yeah. Um, and the final thing would just be to um, get out and get moving, get your body going. If you're, if you're uh, the type of person to go to work and work a crazy busy day and you have a commute and you're out for nine, 10 hours and you come home and you, you're in a cycle, you can't get out of the cycle until you truly like just break it. So if you have to discontinue your Netflix account, God forbid. <laughs> but like if you have to for just a couple months to break your cycle, yeah. you know, there are things you just kind of have to go through um, the rewiring. That's where the coaching part of everything comes in. Um, it's a rewire. You're, yes. you're accustomed to the routine and the routine is like is where you're going to lose yourself. So if that routine needs a big green twist. Yes. Rachel can help you. Yeah, I really can. Yes. I hope. So tell us tell us where we can find you, Rachel. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, like I said, Living Growth is still in its baby phases. Um, right now, livinggrowth.org is up and running, just happy and fine. Um, it's a super like beautiful website. I love it. I'm like, so happy you said that because I <laughs> contemplated hiring someone to do that. And girl, I was like, I don't know. Let me just yeah. figure it out. And I did that myself. Yes, so it's it the looks, best compliment yes. you could give me because that was so hard. <laughs> yes. No, um, it's beautiful. And she can help you green your life, grow your plants, create, you know, like green and like a more sustainable, just like living environment. Yeah. And also what I want her to help me with is like creating a green space outdoors for growing. And that's something that she can certainly help you with as well. Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I appreciate you for having me. Yes. I will be back whenever. Two small town girls. Yes, here we are Just in the city. Just a small town girl <laughs> living in a lonely world. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, thank you. Um, yes, so that concludes another episode of Tall Hungry Girl Talks. Um, so subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, yes, and review it, rate it, only if you have something to good only if you have something good to say though be nice (laughs) yeah um and you can find um more articles and podcasts and subscribe on my website at tallhungrygirl.com thanks guys (laughs) bye-bye